Welcome to the Franchise Success Formulas podcast, the place where you find the tactical and practical business and leadership knowledge you need to help you build a successful and scalable franchise enterprise. I'm Aisha Bascaro, the founder and CEO of the American Franchise Academy and a 30-year veteran in the franchise industry with experience in Fortune 500 global brands like Domino's Pizza, Popeye's Luciana Kitchen, and Darden Restaurants. Franchise executive turned teacher and entrepreneur. Let's get started. Welcome back to part two of the series of the multi-unit franchising conference session sharing. In this series, I am sharing with you the key points, takeaways that I took out of experiencing the amazing sessions that happened at the multi-unit franchising conference this year. This particular conference is one of two conferences that I actually recommend to our clients to register and participate in. The first conference that I always recommend that participate in is the conference of their own brand, because as franchisees, being able to be present in those conferences when they happen, it gives them the exposure of what's happening, where the company is going, what is the direction, and what are the new news that are happening so that they can be in the know of what is going on in the brand they invested in. Also, if they participate in there, they are able to then acquire a lot of knowledge and experience and best practices from fellow franchisees that are doing the same thing that they're doing, as well as building relationships with the leaders of the organization of the franchise that they invested in. And so, of course, that is one of the conferences that I always recommend. And the second one is the multi-unit franchising conference, because one of the things that I noticed after being participating in many conferences is that this particular conference really is focused on the knowledge and development of multi-unit franchisees. One of the things that I am clear after 35 plus years in this industry is that if you only have one unit, then what you have basically have done is purchased your own job, which I mean, obviously there's lots of benefits from it because you don't have a boss is telling you what to do and you can dictate your schedule and what you're going to do and when you're going to do it when you own a business that is yours. But if you want to have true time and financial freedom, becoming a multi-unit franchisee is the key. And this particular conference is dedicated to give access and information and knowledge and tools for franchisees so that you can have that dream of true time and financial freedom through multi-unit franchising business. And so that is why I really encourage you to participate in this particular conference. So today's show, I am going to be covering the session of succession planning for your next chapter. I definitely support and believe that as a business owner, you should from day one start thinking about your succession plan. And it's interesting because one of the things that uh, the panel was saying that many of them, the, you know, succession planning was one of the last things in their mind at the beginning because they were focused more on survival rather than, you know, strategic planning for the future. But as soon as they were able to stabilize the business and start making profits, then they really realized the importance of it. And that's when they started to make those type of plans. So this was a very interesting panel. There were three sets of people, and I'm going to share with you in a second why I call them sets, because it brought a diverse perspective and view about succession planning. 
So first of all, the facilitator was Kendall Rawls from the Rawls Group, an organization that just uh, turned 50 years old in doing exactly that. So session planning for large, for middle to large organizations. So as you listen to today's show and hear all the best practices and tips and key points from these successful franchisees, and you're interested in uh, looking into the possibility of creating your succession plan, you might want to check out the Rawls Group that is based out of Georgia. So that was a facilitator, Ken Rolls, And the first panelist, his name was Paul Booth from Concentric Brands. And he's a young man that actually was a second generation franchisee uh, where his family, his parents were actually McDonald's franchisees. And he eventually took over that business. I think eventually they divested and he got into other businesses on his own which was Ace Hardware. So his portfolio is really around the Ace Hardware franchise units. Then we have the first set. So this is Paul Booth. He's going to have a perspective from someone that a succession plan was done for him and how he took over in his perspective from there. Then we have a set of two brothers. First was Charles Kaiser and the second one was Jesse Kaiser. And it was really great to see them, you know, in this panel and how they saw their role in succession planning and how they approached it. Uh, They both are from Kaiser Enterprises and they have built their business together. They have Sports Clips, Oxyfresh. However, they actually started with Little Caesars Pizza, which eventually they divested. And that's when they got into Sports Clips and Oxyfresh Carpet Cleaning. And then, of course, we have the next set, which is Mr. Brent Veach and Craig Veach. This is a father and son panelist from Veach Enterprises. Uh, Brent actually owns 52 Del Taco units. And this perspective is from the active process that he's taking on doing association planning of his business towards his children, Craig being one of them. And so what I'm going to be sharing with you today are the four steps that they are recommending that you do as you are planning your succession plan so that you can have a solid plan and know that things are going to be in place and going in the right direction. But before I go to the first best practice tip that they say, uh, one of them actually said something that was really, really true. And he said, entrepreneurs have four freedoms. And he meant from the perspective that once you are an entrepreneur and you have a business that is profitable, that is producing enough money for you to cover your bills, which the reality is that we don't really need much to cover our minimum bills, right? So if we have a modest life and we have a business, then we only need a certain amount of money from that business to be produced for us to cover our expenses. After that is what he says that all entrepreneurs have four freedoms. The first freedom is the freedom to spend the time where they believe and they want to spend it. They have the freedom of money because they have enough money to pay for the bills. And so they're free to decide where the money or the excess money is going to go to. They have the freedom of purpose. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, what is the the purpose of anything that you go beyond meeting your basic needs? And then you have your freedom of relationships. You are free to have a relationship or to build a relationship with whoever it is that you want. Because when you have a job and you work for someone, you have to build a relationship with your boss. You have to be build a relationship with your fellow employees or the people that work for you. But when you're an entrepreneur, you truly have the freedom to build a relationship with the people that you want to build relationships with. I wanted to start with that because that really made me think through a lot about what franchisees, the freedoms go beyond the time and financial one. And so where and how we spend time and that money 
and who we choose to be surrounded by is going to be very important and it will determine a lot of the next steps of success in our life. So let's go ahead and get started with the first step or phase that you should consider in your succession planning for your next chapter. And that first step is that you need to start with your vision, the vision of your life. Like why do you become a franchisee and what is the vision, the purpose, the goal that you want to achieve through your journey of being a successful entrepreneur? In these three sets of people, and you know, I know that Paul was not a set, but in this, you know, three different perspectives, there were different perspectives as to what that vision is. So for example, someone said that the thing that everybody has in common is that everybody really is looking for time and financial freedom. But beyond that, there are other things that drive us, other things that is our, our vision that decide what we do and how we make decisions along the way. So one of them said, that one of the biggest reasons for them to do this entrepreneur thing was because they didn't want to trade time for money. They seen people that were in the corporate world having a job and they literally were just trading time for money. They really wanted to go beyond that. People that seen the entrepreneurship world and understood that effort really can expand when it comes to the results. And so if you focus on the right actions and the right efforts, you will have a lot more than what you would get out of just exchanging time for money. The other one was legacy for the family, literally being able to build a financial future that they could definitely help support the family in the organization. And one of the things that they were mentioning how 96% of wealth created disappears after three generations. And I was like, wow. And then they were talking about how that happens. The makers, the builders, the takers, and then the talkers. But anyway, that's a whole other conversation about how one of the things that was important for them was to set the future of their legacy in a way that it did not disappear or it did not match the normal statistics of the law of the wealth loss in the family generations. And so that was one of the things that drives them, not only to leave a legacy, but a legacy that was lasting. Another perspective was they really wanted to build an organization so that they could eventually sell it and have freedom and being able to then do whatever they wanted with the rest of their life. That's a different perspective of what it is a vision is of the business that you're building. One of the visions or the purposes that I heard was actually from Brent Veach. He said, look, I was an accountant, you know, doing quite well, exchanging time for money, good money. But he came to the point in his family that he realized that he really wanted to spend more time with his family, that he really wanted to be more involved in the life of his children. He wanted to find a way in which through entrepreneurship, he was able to own his time, knowing that he was going to have to work for the business, but that he also would have the freedom to go and watch the baseball games and the school activities and really be present for his family. So that's really one of the things that drove him the most into this entrepreneurship world. And as he was making those decisions, he just was able to be successful and grow and grow to where he is today with over 50 Del Taco units. So it is important that that is the first step. And as Kendall was saying, that before you do any work in your succession plan, you really need to be focused on what it is that your vision is, because what your vision is will determine the steps that you take after that, how you make the decisions and how you proceed on the structure of that plan that you want to build for your future and your legacy. Once you have your vision, you want to make sure that step number two is find some sort of objective mediator. It could be an organization like the Rawls Group that will help you completely along the way, not only on guiding you on how to build the succession plan, but also doing all the legal and 
procedural processes and steps and documentation to make and bring that to conclusion and then help you maintain it year after year so that it is updated based on your needs. Either way, you need to have an objective mediator that whether they cover everything or just guides you step by step on the things that you end up doing on your own to be able to fulfill that plan in a way that really is a successful and positive experience for everyone. There are several reasons why having an objective mediator is important. First of all, is to avoid or at least reduce family conflict. When it comes to businesses and money, ugly things happen sometimes. And having that objective mediator would allow to have the family to have healthy, positive conversations about what is going to be taking place, you know, depending on the different scenarios. The facilitation of those healthy, positive conversations alone is critical for the joy and the conservation of the joy and happiness in the family unit. Also, they're very knowledgeable. The people that are involved that know about succession planning and all of this information, they're knowledgeable. The tax laws change practically every year. It is already difficult to keep up with technology and new news and new things that are happening in your business, let alone keep up with the changes that happen with taxation and other legal things. So having someone that is an expert that can help you uh, navigate those changes, obviously, is important for you. And also something else that can help you having an, an objective third party mediator is the fact that in your family. Everybody has different personalities, different abilities, different strengths, different weaknesses. And so having that objective mediator will make it easier for them to be able to understand who has what strengths and weaknesses so that as you're making the plan, you can choose the right person to do the right role. The last thing you want to do is try to make one of your children something that they're not or have them do something that they're not going to enjoy. And so having that objective mediator will help you face reality of your family dynamics, but also make it so that the experience for your family is a positive one. So that when you do leave, when you're not longer there, or when you pass on the business, it is done in a joyful, positive way that helps everyone. And so that's why the second step of having an objective mediator is so important. Then on the third step is find someone that has the knowledge, the abilities and the skills to do the legal process the right way. And they actually stress very strongly that sometimes doing it cheap can cost you a lot of money in the wrong run. One of the steps of the legal steps in the succession planning is to create your wills and your trusts. The wills is literally a way to clearly define what it is that you want to happen to your business in the day that you are no longer there. But the trust is a document and the process and the legal process that will help you protect your estate from excessive taxation. And so having people that are experts in those areas that will help you make the better and best financial decisions for your business so that you can protect as much as possible everything that you have built is going to be very important. And trying to go cheap on that could end up costing you more money in the long run. So they said that after you have your vision clarity and you have selected the, the people that have the experts to make sure that you build those wills and trust and your business structure in a way that will be able to maximize the return of this investment that you've done of time and money into the business that you have built. And then the next step that they talked about was the importance of retaining the top talent that you're building in your organization. Because when it comes to succession, if you are at the head of the organization and you're the one that is running the business, nobody's going to run the business or know the business the way that you do. 
And one of the ways in which you can protect that legacy is by building a team of leaders around that organization that will be able to continue the legacy regardless of who's leading the organization. Now, obviously, leadership is important, but if you're building the leaders around that leader that might take over so that they can understand the culture and the business and the structure and the way that makes that business healthy, then obviously, the more that you protect those leaders, the better. And so retaining top talent is, you know, I would say the fourth key element of the succession planning that they shared. They said that um, being able to do that so that you can support the organization and the ease of transition as it happens. Some of the things that they mentioned that they do is that they do monthly roundtables with the leaders, not only to help communicate and pass information, but also to help develop them and build that uh, relationship of trust and commitment around the organization. Also, a solid commitment of promotion from within, offering opportunity and a career path for everybody in the organization that then builds and grows the leaders in the organization that really trust and love the organization is key for you to do that. And of course, incentive plans in which the leaders that are leading that organization also benefit from the wins of the organization. So these are the few things that they talked about when it comes to retaining top talent in your organization. Because if you have great leaders in your organization and you have a, eventually have a succession of leadership, having those strong leaders will help tremendously on the ease of that transition. Those are the four steps that you should follow when it comes to succession planning for your next chapter. Again, number one is start with your vision. What it is that you want to accomplish from your business in this succession. Number two, find a capable objective mediator to make the transition or the planning of that transition as joyful and positive as possible. And then three, get real experts on the legal and the accounting side of structuring that succession plan in a way that will save you money and will be as financially effective and profitable as possible. And of course, build and retain the top talent that will help that transition happen with ease. Now, I thought that those were great tips, but in between the conversations, some of the multi-brand franchisees shared a couple of other tips that I also want to share with you. And some of them are about succession planning and some were about other things. But I want to share with you six other little tips that they shared. And the first one was, and this was in regards to succession planning mentioning that uh, a couple of them, succession planning was nowhere near in their thought. They were just literally just in the ground, you know, uh, working their business, surviving, making it work, not thinking about succession planning. And the moment they have built their organization, they realize, oops, we better start working on this. And so their tip for you is as soon as you get out of that survival mode, Start thinking about succession planning now, because the sooner that you can start thinking about it, the better you will be able to make that plan. So that was the first one. The second one was one of the strategies that they used was to actually have um, their kids work somewhere else before they join the family business. Literally, I think this was Brent that said, my kids cannot come and work at a leadership position in my organization until they have worked for another company for a minimum of three years. 
So literally they go to school, they graduate. That's great. They are required to go work for another company for three years before that. And, and then consider if they truly want to work in the organization, if they do, then they can come back and work in the organization. And that gives his, his children a different perspective on business. It gives them exposure to other people, other organizations, and other ways of doing things that then they bring that value into their family company and business. But also they get the opportunity to decide if this is what they truly want to do and not something that they're doing it because their father wants them to do it. So I thought that was a really great tip. Something else is creating generational success. And one of the ways that they do this is by actually buying the land of as many units as they can. So as they're building units, they are actually purchasing the land because even if they were to divest the business, at the end of the day, that land then becomes income generating because it's now a rental. And so they say that one of the strategies that they use to build generational success is by the purchasing of the land as much as possible of the units that they're building. Another tip was to sharing financial statements with their leadership. It is well known in the franchise industry that not many franchisees actually share financials with their leaders. You know, there are fears about what they're going to do with that or think with that or know with that. I, to this day, I haven't heard of any situation where a leader, a franchisee has shared the financials with the team members and it became a negative situation. You have yet to hear about it in 35 years. I keep trying to convince franchisees to do that, of course, through a process of first education so that the people that are receiving this information can actually even interpret it. But again, one of the uh, tips that they share was share your financial information with your leaders, you know, so that they can understand and own the business that they're running. Another tip that they were sharing was to be transparent with your, your children and your family, obviously when it's age appropriate. It's good to share when you have good times and it's good to share when you have bad times. Because if you don't really give them a clear picture of what business is really about and they don't think that it's all balloons and happiness and, and ice cream and cake, they might come with a different perspective or they might approach business in a different way that they would if they understand that business is work. Business sometimes is hard and there are wins and there are losses. And so sharing that information, being transparent with them, it would allow them to understand the seriousness that is required that will then help develop the skills so that you can have that generational success and not this generational failure that happens in most families. And then the last tip that I want to share is expose your kids that are thinking about taking over or joining the family business, expose them to the different areas of the business. Even if they're taking a specific position of leadership, let's say in field operations, bring them in when you're having meetings at the financials, bring them in when you're having meetings about development, bring them in when they're having, you're having meetings about legal items so that they can get exposure to the conversation, to the knowledge, to the skills that it requires to run a business. And if they're able to participate in that, even though their responsibility might be on, on field operations, they are getting a holistic picture of the business. As they are developing the abilities of leadership in that particular position, they're actually getting exposed and a rounded form when it comes to managing the business. And if you do that, when it comes time for them to potentially take over, they will have a clear picture of what the responsibility and the job is. So that's it. I think that's enough. Uh, that's a lot of information for one session. I mean, I thought it was a great session. I think these are tips that are fabulous for everyone. And one of the things that they said, you know, all of these steps, all of these steps, all of these tips is so that you 
can protect the legacy of the business that you have worked so hard to build. So thank you for being with me today. If you have enjoyed this session, subscribe to our podcast, Franchise Success Formulas, or obviously subscribe to our YouTube channel, the American Franchise Academy. Follow our newsletter on LinkedIn, where we share lots of tips and knowledge and information so that you can be successful. I hope that you enjoyed this session and we'll see you in the next show. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Franchise Success Formulas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss a show and leave a review so that other people like you can find us and receive the value that you just did. Here at the American Franchise Academy, we have an important mission of protecting the American dream of business ownership through franchising. And with your help, we can do a lot more of that. Thank you for being part of our community and see you next time.